When it comes to independent wrestling and the deathmatch scene, one company is on the rise, and that is Ruthless Pro Wrestling. Featuring today's hottest talent, like Justin Kyle, Dale Patricks, The Rejects, Mickey Knuckles, Hoodfoot Mo Atlas, and more. Check out all of our events on IWTV. Find all of our social media and our RPW merch now at RuthlessPro.com. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. It is none other than the violent gentleman known as Aaron Williams. How are you today, sir? I am doing very good. How are you, sir? I am great. It's so nice to meet you. Uh, since uh, I first saw you explode onto the scene at ICW No Holds Barred, I believe it was in Indianapolis the first time I saw you, uh, you caught my uh, my attention and imagination straight away. Uh, so I was very keen to sort of uh, have a chat to you and get into the mind of uh, such an interesting character. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I really uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to get into it and see what we can uh, dig up along the way. Absolutely. Well, let, let's do that thing where we rewind all the way down uh, to the start, to the back. Uh, what I like to ask people when we usually begin is what are some of the first faces that you remember in wrestling? So when you were first exposed to it, who sort of stood out to you? I think uh, um, for me, like the first time I have a memory of professional wrestling was a Randy Savage promo mm-hmm. uh, that he cut on uh, Hogan. It might have been the Luster promo, you know? The uh, uh, the old uh, setup for uh, the Mega Powers Explosive, or it might have been like going into WrestleMania four. I really, I really don't remember which one it was, but he was definitely one that really, really stuck out to me uh, when I first like like realized what wrestling was. Uh, obviously, Hogan and like uh, uh, Steamboat and Sting, guys like that were like big um, like people that I remember from like my early days of fandom. Uh, but once I like kind of started to like realize that, Oh, maybe this is something I could get into. Cause I, I was into martial arts since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I studied, uh, like four or five different arts, uh, up into, uh, up into my adult years. And, uh, that kind of like, um, made me like, see like the abilities of smaller people and everything. And then you get into guys like uh, Shawn Michaels. And I think it was the, uh, the Iron Man match Michaels and Hart made me like really realize like, you know what I could, uh, I could do this on a large level. Cause I'm, I don't know. I'm like five, 10, five, 11, something like that, mm-hmm. like 200 pounds. So I'm not a huge dude. And when I became a fan, you know, everybody was, you know, massive, larger yeah. than life. And then when I saw like Michaels and Hart and like, uh, like one, two, three kid and, you know, X-Pac and all that, mm-hmm. uh, saw those guys like kind of doing their thing. I was like, oh, okay. So this isn't, this isn't limited to, yeah. you know, big massive dudes that are like, you know, seven foot tall walking through an airport or anything. This is, 
this is something that I can uh, express my love for like martial arts and my love for like acting and characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I can like throw all that in there and uh, and do it. And then once I got of age, uh, I had discovered who like RVD was. And that was a guy who really like kind of was like, oh, this guy. This guy's got got some stuff I like. And then, of course, like in my uh, search for more wrestling and more cool stuff, I had discovered like uh, the great Muda and a lot of guys from the the, the, uh, the Japanese promotions and like uh, stuff like that. It just kind of branches out and gets like really, really crazy at that point. Yeah. Uh, people ask me all the time who my who my favorite wrestlers are. And it's it's hard to say, like, like it literally like it fluctuates like yeah. some. Is I'll I'll be like up oh, you know what William Regal is my favorite wrestler of all time and then other days I'm like up oh, but then uh you know freaking uh, Ricky Steamboat was really really good and then Ric Flair was awesome too and it, and it just goes it, it goes crazy for me but I think those are I mean that's a very long winded answer to uh, your question no no that's I love like it. I love the it. guys that stick out to my mind yeah absolutely it's funny it starts with lust in his eyes and then becomes you know from there into <laughs> all like the the different stuff you know and. And it is amazing when you hear about those, you know, smaller guys and how big an impact they had on so many of today's wrestlers. When it was like the land of the giants and all these huge, you know, genetically gifted people, nobody could ever feel like they could compete. And then it took those, you know, smaller athletes to really go ahead and like kick the doors open and now look at where wrestling is today. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild, man. Like, and, and it's, it's such a good thing too. Uh, because I mean, in a lot of those smaller guys, I guess you would say we have like discovered some of literally the best wrestlers there are. Uh, like if, if you, if you go down the list of like guys who are, you know, around that 200 pound mark, like in that five foot eight to like, you know, six foot one range, there's so many, like incredible uh, professional wrestlers that have inspired and innovated and just it's you probably can't even do it you probably couldn't even write a book of all the guys in that like just little range that wouldn't even been talked about in the 80s yeah uh of of guys who just inspired and 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 stuff absolutely it's awesome and and it's kind of crazy that they didn't do that sort of stuff sooner i i realize it came from like you know sort of carny attraction sort of stuff but that big man, little man battle and, you know, the dynamics that come with, you know, uh, that and the the challenge of overcoming David versus Goliath and stuff. Wrestling's like built around that stuff now, but for a very yeah. long time, it wasn't yeah. really that at all, you know? Like, I mean, with the exception of yeah. Andre the Giant, who was a literal giant, like it was like, you know, uh, everybody was huge. Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, it was and, just like at... And for a long time, it really was. It was just like two like titans clashing, and yeah. and you really didn't get to see that uh, that uphill battle. Like I think Michaels has said, one of his favorite matches is is like any time he's against somebody bigger than him, yeah. because the moment the moment you both get in the ring, the story's there. It's like you don't even have to do anything for a moment. You can just sit there, and everybody can see like, oh well. Well, that guy's bigger and he's going to smash this little guy or maybe this little guy can do something. And like, so your mind automatically starts working, which is, you know, kind of the, one of the beautiful things about wrestling is, is as a fan, you like start watching it. And in my mind, you should be like, I wonder what's going to happen here. 
as opposed to just seeing everything coming. Like the idea of, uh, I can be surprised is, is really what you want in, yeah. in any type of entertainment, but, but especially in wrestling. I think. Absolutely. And when that can still happen today, when, you know, everything's sort of so exposed and we talk about it all the time and there's, you know, armchair quarterbacks everywhere and stuff like that. You know, we all think how thing, we know how things work and blah, blah, blah. When those moments still happen and you, you like buy on a, on a, you know, a sort of a Fox finish or a pop it, something and things like that. That's the magic of wrestling, right? Like it's, uh, I'm trying to think the last one that really kind of got me that had a great time. So actually it was a ICW no holds barred tank versus John Wayne Murdoch recently. And ICW is normally very, you know, combat heavy, but they did the thing where, you know, hits him with the belt and it's kind of like old school kind of Memphis wrestling. And I'm like, this is it. This is a wrap. Tank is taking it because you never see that stuff in that promotion. And then when it, like a completely bit on it, you know, and that kind of stuff, those are the magical moments in in wrestling for me. Like when I'm like, like this is actually going to happen or whatever. That's That's the magic. Yeah, man, I, I absolutely agree. I actually remember that uh, that that moment you're talking about, and uh, yeah, man, it's that's that's the beauty of wrestling in so many ways is the ability to suspend things and yes. suspend disbelief, and and it's and Murdoch's like, dude, he's he's so good, like he's, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people like are like one vein, you know, like you know, oh, this is a deathmatch guy, or this is a technical guy, or this is a comedy guy, or whatever. Uh, Murdoch is a dude who can kind of like go all the way through it. You know, he's he's like a rainbow of, of everything that they can like go. He could do a little bit of uh, of all the stuff. And man, he's he's a uh, he's great. Another one is great as uh, as Alex Cologne, but I'm pretty sure you already know that. Like he's he's a, he's another one who can pretty much do it all. Absolutely, and constantly innovating and pushing, you know, his chosen genre further than it's ever gone. You know what I mean? Always this creative offense and changes and, and things like that where you're just like, oh, what's he going to do next? Because he's keeping everybody guessing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like, and there's a lot of guys like, man, wrestling is such a, a, a popping thing right now. Like, it's, it's so cool to see, like, so many people out there, like, expressing themselves and like in using their creativities like we're talking about cologne and murdoch but i mean you can't you got to look at like jonathan gresham and, and like lee moriarty and and wheeler yuda and, and guys like that who are like on the on the like uh um the the technical aspect of it and and the the amazing little things that they can do alex shelley's another one they can just do like these amazing like little cute little things that are so cool and you never even think of until you see it and then you're like whoa but well, I didn't even see that coming. And like, you know, I consider myself like a strike guy. I like to, I like to throw strikes and definitely and there's a lot of guys that, that are really, really good at that too. And like wrestling's got so many facets and so many different uh, branches to it that it's like, I mean, if you, if you, if you desire it, you can, you can literally find something you like in any aspect of wrestling. It's, I guess that's why we love it, though, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the, right. It's the it just, whole point. It just gives you everything. You know, it's it's an uh, amazing, yeah. amazing art form. So, rewinding back a little bit, like you you said, you're a, a strike guy. That obviously comes from your martial arts background, and that is very apparent in your matches. So, take me back to you're a kid and you start training in in martial arts. How does that come about? Do people in your family do it? You saw Ninja Turtles. You want to do it? Like, how how does it sort of work? 
It's uh well my my dad was a uh, was a martial artist before he started having having kids and then he kind of like stopped to be uh kind of like basically a full-time dad and provide and everything like that. Uh so when I was growing up, he had uh, a a tendency to watch those old canon films like the old Chuck Norris or Jean-Claude Van Damme and stuff like that. And as a as a kid, I was just I was there, so I would watch them with him, and then it was just something I fell in love with. I just was like, man, these guys are so athletic and cool, and that's that's what I want to do. And as I grew up and, and got more into it, then you know I started taking classes, and and Taekwondo turned into Kimpo, and Kimpo turned into Harangdo, and Harangdo turned into Jujitsu, uh, and then it just like it just kept going, and uh, it just became a massive part of who. I am not only physically, but like, uh, like, uh, uh, internally as well, because like, not only does it teach you how to, you know, thrash somebody if you need to, but it also teaches you discipline and and honor and, and so many other like little things that like kind of piece me together. And man, I just, uh, I've always loved it and I probably always will. Um, but it's funny because I didn't really start using my, uh, my martial arts, uh abilities in wrestling until probably about four or five years in really and uh like mainly because i was i was afraid to hurt people (laughs) so i didn't want to i didn't want to do it yeah Uh, yeah. but then somebody eventually convinced me like oh man you got this skill you have to use it and it's like well all right well i guess i better figure out how to use it without murdering people yes so (laughs) exactly i don't want to actually kick a man's head off his shoulders so let's uh figure out how to make that work (laughs) yeah yeah. And how, do, yeah, how does yeah, one approach much. that? Because, like, Ric Flair tells that legendary story that everybody would say, like, how are you so good at throwing a punch that looks so real and it and it doesn't hurt somebody? And he said that he, like, hung a string in his doorway or whatever and would punch it, like, every day until he could throw, like, a full contact punch but not make it move was kind of, like, the, the way he approached it. Is that kind of, like, a similar technique that you take? Like, do you start throwing kicks and thinking about where they're stopping and stuff, because you'd been trained obviously for a long time to follow through with those moves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, one thing did kind of help me out. Like when I was coming through martial arts, I think while I was taking uh, uh, Kempo and Taekwondo, I got put into a, what they called a demonstration team okay. where we would go to like schools and everything like that. And we would uh, do like fight choreography to kind of like show them what, what we would do. Right, okay. So I kind of like learned a little bit about how to like control my, my stuff there. Mm-hmm. But when I got into, into wrestling and, and at the time that I got into wrestling, it was very uh, uh, stiff to say the very least. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really want to go at people that way because I, I didn't know how hard I could or could not go. Yes. Um, so basically when, when they, they were like, man, this is this is something you really need to use. I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. So what I did was I kind of did the, the Ric Flair technique, only not as smart as him. I used door jams. Like I would I would stand it like set in a door jam and just like and, and, and like try to pull it before I'd hit the door jam too hard. Oh, okay. And uh and do that same with the uh with the kicks as well. Yeah. And uh, I got a bunch of scars on my shins and, and knuckles from I was about it, to say but, you might have learned uh, quicker than Ric Flair because pain tends to like enforce enforce <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Yeah, that's instant, that's true. Oh. I mean, <laughs> 
People tend to uh, respond to pain better than they respond to pretty much anything else. So <laughs> that's it. So, um, so you you're doing martial arts and stuff. It's it's all through high school and stuff. At what age do you look at wrestling, and how do you even like find a school? I've said it on my podcast before. Like for me, growing up in Australia, that was impossible. You know what I mean? Like wrestling was so far away. It's the WWF in America. There's no wrestling in Australia, or at least any that there is, I don't know about and and have no way to even think about it. So how do you find it? Well, um for me it was it was a little it was a little weird. I think in my maybe I started backyarding with a buddy of mine. Uh he like uh I was talking to him one day and like it was, it was weird. It was like a guy I never really hung out with that much, but then some some odd reason, like I was just in his town and and we were just hanging out and and uh, for some reason we just started talking about wrestling. And he was like, "Oh, you like wrestling?" I was like, "Yeah, man. I mean, that's what that's what we're talking about." And he's like, "I know somebody who has uh, a wrestling ring in their backyard." And I was like, "You're you're you're joking, right?" And he's like, "No, we can walk there right now." I was like, "All right." So we walked over there and. And uh, sure enough, this this dude has a, a a backyard wrestling ring, and I mean he built it himself, but it was still pretty much a, a ring. And I was like, shoot! So I got I got into that a little bit, and I think I did that for a couple of years. And then I was uh you know I really wanted to do it, but I was in the same vein. Like I went to the only independent wrestling that I knew about at the time was Heartland Wrestling Association, who at the time had a uh, developmental deal with the WWF. Uh, or WWE at the time, I guess. Or, yeah, I think. Um, so we would go to their shows, and Les Thatcher ran it. And I think the best of us backyard guys, he didn't tell any of us, but he went to talk to Les one day about training. And he was probably like the biggest and the best of all of us at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went and asked Les about t- training, and Les took one look at him and said, you're too small, I can't train you. <laughs> and then he came back. And he, he told the rest of them, it's just like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. So then, you know, like it was a, a uh, like a period of, of a super downtime, which only lasted like about a month. And then uh, I happened to, to go to church and uh, ran into an old high school buddy of mine. And he came up to me after after everything was done. And he was like, hey, man, you, uh, you still into wrestling? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm training. I was like, where? And he mentioned this little place I'd never heard of in, in Price Hill, Cincinnati. And uh, I was like, when do you train? He was like, Tuesdays. I was like, all right, I'll be there Tuesday. And I went that Tuesday, and I didn't know anybody there, but they had a real wrestling ring. And I was like, yep, this is this is going to happen. I'm going to be doing with this. Yep. So uh, I uh, started training. And then uh, I still remember the feeling when I like stepped on the apron and walked through the ropes the first time. Mm-hmm. It was like, electricity kind of like going through my body. Like it was like a moment to me, you know, like you see in, uh, in movies where like the, the lead character like makes like a very important decision or, or something happens. that's very pivotal to the story. Yeah. Like I still remember like stepping through and thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, this is it. This is the moment. I'm, Oh my gosh, I'm in a actual professional wrestling ring and I'm yeah. going to be a wrestler now. And, uh, that's that's where it started. It started in Price Hill, Cincinnati, at a little promotion called um, Intense Wrestling Incorporated, and that's uh, that's where it began. Uh, right and I think I was there for a couple of years, 
And then it got word that uh, Les Thatcher had sold HWA to Cody Hawk. And Cody apparently was interested in myself and a few other guys from that, uh, from that particular promotion. So once I got that word, I went and did a tryout for uh, Heartland Wrestling where I used to, you know, watch guys like, you know, Nigel McGinnis and Chad Collier and uh, Matt Stryker and BJ Whitmer and uh, Pepper Parks or The Blade, I guess, on AEW now. And, um, I saw those guys and uh, Cody liked me enough to be like, all right, well, I'll train you again, but you can come and work for me. <laughs> so that, and that, that's when it really started to kind of pick up to me and like I started things started to click for me. Yeah. And what kind of age are we talking about here? Oh gosh. I think I started training when I was about uh, nineteen, maybe, I think. And then by the time I got to HWA I was probably like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, right. Like so so you had a couple of years under your belt by that time and sort of ready to suck in the more advanced stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was like a, it was a culture shock though. Like the the moment walking in there, like because, uh, I mean the the place where I originally trained, they trained me. You know, like uh, I would imagine like most people got trained earlier. You know, like okay, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. All right, go do it. And then that was pretty much it. That's kind of the training I got uh, at the, uh, the the first place that I that I was at, and uh, it wasn't bad at all. But when I walked into HWA. And uh, did my first class there. I was so incredibly nervous. And then once it started, I realized, oh, I have the right to be nervous because this is different. This is this is way different from what I'm used to. Like, I I remember the first drill that Cody had us do. Uh, it was with uh, a bunch of guys. We were all there, and we did our warm ups and everything. And he's standing beside the ring. He's like, okay, so here is the drill. And he just rattles off a bunch of stuff. He might as well have been speaking Japanese to me. <laughs> oh no! Because I I was so lost on what what he was saying. Yeah. And you know they were you were paired up with people. Yeah. And I remember this uh, this gentleman I was with was uh, he was he was one of the Riggs brothers. I think they were under a developmental deal for a little while, but uh, I think they they stopped wrestling shortly after this actually. And uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember him looking at me, and he looked like so concerned. He he looked at me, and it was basically just like, "It's okay, buddy. I I'll get us through it. It's it's okay." He could tell <laughs> you were like, sure. <laughs> I must have been so like terrified, and I was like, because I was like, "Oh man, I am not, I am not prepared for this." And uh, yeah. It, it got wild after that point, and like that's where I really cut my teeth on pretty much all, all, everything in, in wrestling was HWA. Yeah, that's cool. And so you're you're training with them, and then what they're doing shows every other month or something like that. Like there's an actual ongoing promotion. Uh, no, actually HWA they uh, they had a TV deal, uh, like a local TV, oh, wow. TV deal, so they did shows uh, weekly. And then they would do big shows on the weekends too. Oh. So they would travel on the weekends. So they had their, their home base on uh, which I did think they did shows every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It was the Tuesday night showcase. And then every like one day out of every weekend, like either the Friday or the Saturday, 
they would either do another show there or they would do a traveling show if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. So they, they kept us pretty busy and uh, they, I mean, I learned how to, you know, wrestle in front of a, for, for TV and I learned how to, uh, you know, wrestle in front of crowds you've never seen before. Like it was, it was, it was a great time, like for me to be like learning another, there was a, a bunch of guys actually that learned from, from there too. Cause uh, at the time John Moxley was there mm-hmm. uh, at the time, uh, uh, LA Knight was there or um, uh, Sean Ricker or whatever. Yeah. Eli Drake, by LA. I think he was as well. Who else was, uh, who else was there? Uh, Sammy Callahan was there at the time. Um, wow. Nigel would come through, Collier would come back through. All those guys would like cycle through. And yeah, it was, it was a great time, man. It was a, it was a great learning experience. And I got to work with a lot of, uh, fantastic guys and girls at that point in time too. So just a, just a great time. That's so cool. And, and like what a learning experience, like to have that sort of TV opportunity, like thinking about the cameras and stuff like that must be invaluable experience when you're doing it. Like, who are you to begin with? Are you who you are now or were you something else? Oh, my, oh, I didn't discover who I am now till, you know, much, much later at the time I was, uh, I was a tag, uh, a tag wrestler mainly with, uh, my partner, Alan Wasilition, who, uh, who moved from California to come and train with HWA. And he was kind of like new to the area a little bit and everything like that. And we were, we were called the Mavericks and we hated it. <laughs> At first we were just, uh, we're just Alan and Aaron, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and John Moxley was actually the one who, uh, who named us the Mavericks. He, we, we came into training one day and he was like, Oh, uh, you guys should, you guys should be like the Mavericks or something like that should be your guys' tag name. And we're like, Moxley, that's, that's weird. Like we don't, we don't look like cowboys. Cause that's usually like, I think, a. I remembered a movie from back in the day called Maverick, and it was like a, it was a western. Yeah, I was yeah. like that's the only thing that I could think of. Uh, and I was like, well, "We're not cowboys." He's like, "No, it's fine. Just be the Mavericks." So then I looked it up <laughs> in the dictionary later, or, or online, or whatever. And yeah. It was like a it was a person who spits in the face of the authority. That's like the descriptor that I remembered. Okay. I was like, "Well, we don't do that either. We're baby faces." <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then one day it was a Tuesday night showcase. And uh, we're getting ready to make our entrance. And sure enough, the announcer's like, Aaron and Allen, the Mavericks. And we're just like, take it. (laughs) So he he went to the uh, announcer and he's like, hey, just call them the Mavericks from now on. He was about (laughs) it that much that he went out of his way. that's us. That's that's who we are. (laughs) Just went out of his way to ensure that that's what it was. So you're coming through the curtain as the Mavericks. Are we just looking at fiery baby faces? Like, like, what do you? What do oh you, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. fiery white meat blue chipper baby. <laughs> yeah, let's like, go. No personality, nothing at all. I had long blonde hair, yeah. uh, like short trunk tights. Like, oh gosh. What colors we're we looking at on the tights here? It's we? hilarious to like go back and think about. Uh, uh, let's see. We had we usually wore blue. Uh, yep, we had a pair of red woods and then we had a pair of black woods, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but we more majority wore the blue woods mm-hmm. and, and like looking back now, cause you could still like look online and on YouTube and find some of those matches. Uh-huh. And like, I was like, gosh, I, I guess like 50 pounds lighter and long blonde hair, 
uh, like a stick figure with no personality. It was terrible, man. <laughs> So, it was still a great learning experience, and I learned a lot. So. This is amazing. So at the time, uh, are you and your partner thinking, this is it, we're riding the Mavericks to the end, we're, we're going to make it, or are you like, we need to get out of this immediately? <laughs> like- um, I think at the time, it was like it, like, it really all happened. Like, it's funny to look back at it, because like looking back, I'm like, man, like the, the biggest goal that I had at that time was, I want to be HWA tag champ. And yeah. then we did that, and then I was like, "All right, uh, now I don't know, know what." The, and everything just happened so like fast, mm-hmm. and like it seemed like we were the eight, the tag champs for a little bit, and then that was awesome because you know, like I'm a I'm a bit of a historian, and I remember you know being a fan watching all these people hold those those tag titles and yeah. stuff, and I was like, man, like I've I've held the same titles that uh, you know guys have been on TV and. And wrestle at WrestleMania have and everything like this. That's super cool to that's me. Amazing. As a kid, you know, I was younger and everything. So at that time, it was just, uh, man, let's just ride it out. Let's just do, let's have have a good time. Let's have as much fun as we possibly can and and enjoy it. And then uh, I think we got to turn heel for a little bit, which gave us a little bit of personality, but not a whole lot more. And then the next thing we do, HWA closed. It's just gone. Like oh. it, it literally, it was like one Tuesday we went in there and, uh, Cody set us all down and he's like, all right, we're going to tape three shows today and to finish out our contract with the local TV. And then that's it. We're done. Like we had no idea it was happening. It was just, wow. All right. Oh gosh, that sucks. I guess that's, that's it. And, uh, they shut the doors and then somebody else eventually bought it, started running again. And, uh, Revisited uh, there, and uh, under that regime, I was now a because my uh, my partner had a baby and then became a father and everything. So he he kind of left the business, and so I was kind of on my own. And uh, I kind of went through this weird transition of like, all right, what am I now? Because I was just a uh, you know white meat baby face, uh, you know blue chipper pumping my fist and saying, "Come on, baby!" And now I'm even i don't even have somebody with me to come on baby like, <laughs> like the crowd looks at who's me ca- like who's coming on with me nobody with these guys? like now that <laughs> i'm on my own i'm just going by myself i guess yeah uh so i i went through a very long transition of trying to like find myself uh during that uh, period of time in uh hwa when somebody else owned it i i pretty much come into myself as an in-ring performer i knew what i was doing and, and kind of you know, what I, what I was good at and everything. So I kind of became a uh, big staple there and eventually got to, to hold the, the top title uh, for HWA, which was another, you know, big thing for me because a lot of huge names had held that title uh, as well. So uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's the HWA story. Yeah, that's awesome. And so in that like world title run, Aaron Williams, are you Aaron Williams? Like uh, are you the Maverick? Uh, like, uh, who have you become at this point? Oh, who was I at that point? <laughs> uh, so but- I think during uh, during that Mavericks thing uh, for a long time, like Alan was Alan the Solution was Solution. Okay. I know, say that three times. Fast, uh, I, c- fast, I could right? never say it once. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so he, he was that. And I was like, well, I need something. I need like some kind of thing. And since his rhymed, I was like, maybe I mine should rhyme. And I and uh, I think Pepper Parks was Pepper Parks at that time, and he was amazing. Pepper Parks, so I was like, well, I don't want to be amazing here. Williams, I can't 
do that. So I literally, I can't believe I did this. I literally just went into uh, to uh, um, like Google or something. It was like adjectives that start with A. <laughs> and I eventually found astonishing. <laughs> and I became astonishing Gary Williams for a while. And I think that's what I was during that period of time during uh, my AWA title run was I was astonishing Aaron Williams and good Lord, like looking back, it's like, whew, uh, I've had a lot of really interesting te- uh, monikers through, <laughs> through my period of time in wrestling, but that's, that's a low one right there. I mean, I think they get lower. I think there are worse ones, but that's, that's pretty low. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Mike. Gugner, I you leave them to, all, I, I got to wrestle, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, like there's there's some bad ones. I, I'm sure we'll get to them. <laughs> but uh, during that period of time, I got to wrestle uh, Moxley a lot. So that was uh, that was a good time. That's great. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that's re- that's really cool. cool. And like, obviously, the Moxley you're wrestling then isn't like Dean Ambrose current Moxley, but he's always been a gifted wrestler and promo and stuff like that. So I imagine that running with him must have been, can only make you better, you know what I mean? Because you've got to spar verbally with him and physically with him and that kind of person is going to push you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, in in all ways. Like, he wasn't, you know, as uh, trained, well, I guess, you know, when when you go to NXT and you get to work with all these legends and they get to, like, you know, tell you all this stuff, uh, you're, of course, going to get so much better, but... But Mox was always just really, really good. Uh, we, he was kind of like one of those guys that you kind of looked at, even when he was green as grass, and just like, man, that dude, he's gonna, he's gonna get something, man. He's gonna, he's gonna do, he's gonna do good things. Uh, he just had like a natural uh, ability, uh, and like I did, I did learn a lot from him because I had like a natural ability in a different way. Like I could physically like figure out pretty much anything I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got that aspect. I think it's just like from like the combat mentality, you know, of, of like growing up doing martial arts and everything like that. I just kind of like got like certain little things. Uh, but I think one of the biggest things that he told me, because, you know, he's always been great at promos. Uh, as I asked him one day, he's like, dude, like, cause you know, at this time I didn't have a character. I didn't have anything. I was, I was just like, man, like I need something. Like, how do you go- cut a good promo? And he gave me like a little piece of advice that I, I never really forgot was, uh, which maybe it's changed by now. Maybe he wouldn't give this advice now, but uh, to me, it, it helped out now. He was like, uh, when you cut a promo and you're cutting a promo on someone, just imagine, imagine if you can that they took something from you. Like they kidnapped your girlfriend or your wife or a family member or a significant other, and they're like holding them. And you got like one chance to scare the crap out of them before you got yeah. to go and do something about it. And then cut your promo. And I was like, shoot, man, that's that's pretty good. And uh, like, I'm I'm a pretty good promo guy now. Uh, and I, I kind of attest a little bit of that to uh, to Mark. Well, I mean that that's like a, a pretty good trick in a way, right? Because you're sort of putting your mindset yeah. and changing, you know, where you're standing and putting yourself into that mode. You know what I mean? Like, rather than just like I'm going to. Yeah. pretend be mad at this person whatever you're like no and you you click and put yourself into into that you know aggressive mode it's probably probably a pretty good technique and probably something that they they teach something similar to in like real acting classes you know yeah yeah actually like there's there's a gentleman uh who was a manager at hwa at the time his name's Rob guffman 
and he was he was real good at promos. He he like kind of he said that at one point in time, and at the time I didn't I didn't really understand it, but he he talked about like character work and and acting and how you were like able to drop into a character or an emotion or a feeling. And at the time I didn't really get it, but uh, in latter years, of course, I've I've kind of like figured it out how to like harness an emotion that you're trying to convey mm-hmm. to somebody else or or something like that, how to like get in your own mind and like step into a character of sorts and then just be like, all right, well, this is, this is a promo. It can be easy if you know where the character's coming from, you yes. know, like a lot of people and, and I did it for years. They struggle with promos and, and, and conveying information and everything like that. But now it's kind of gotten to the point where it's, it's kind of easy because I know my character and I know like, okay, I can drop into my character and then I can just react to whatever I need to react to. And then it's, it's just done. That's it. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't have to put a lot of thought, to, thought into it because it's just there, you know, because you understand your character's motivations, what drives them, how they react. So you just become that because, and I assume yeah. that that in a sense is based around you, but just turned up as they say, you know what I mean? So it kind of makes sense. That in, a, in a lot of yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, uh, aspects of my my uh, current my character that are very much me. They're very much just like uh, my my own personal thoughts or anything like that. And I just turn them up a lot. But then there's other aspects of it that are, aren't me at all. Like yeah. they're like as far away from me as you can possibly get. And those are a little bit harder to uh, to like pull from. But then at the same time. Uh, they're not so much because I think we all have those emotions and those like desires and those like things that we kind of drowned out, you know, like mentally we drowned out, but, but wrestling kind of gives you that opportunity or gives me that opportunity to be like, all right, well, all these things that I ignore in my regular life, in my everyday life, I go a little bit and let them out for, for wrestling. Like when you, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and you just want to pull over this, you want to get in front of them, pull the side of the road get out of their car and then pull them out of their driver's seat and then just deliver a bunch of elbows. Cause they almost wrecked your car that you're still paying on. Yeah. Like you can't do that in real life, but in wrestling I can. Yeah, absolutely like, oh, really? Can. Yeah. You took this opportunity for a title shot away from me. Allow me to go into a locker room, pull you out and drive a bunch of elbows into your face. Mm-hmm. Like I can do that in wrestling. <laughs> exactly right. You can turn it up. Yeah. Yeah. I can turn it up as loud as I want it to go. And it's, uh, it's nice. It's free. You know, it's, it's one of the beautiful things about the art of professional wrestling that I, I really didn't realize until mm-hmm. recently, I guess. Well, you know, the past, I don't know, five years or so, mm-hmm. uh, because before it was just like, Oh man, these the athleticism is so cool. And this, uh, and this stuff you can do is so cool, which it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I tweeted a while back that wrestling is so much more than what you're letting it be mm-hmm. because it is like, you, you can just look at it like, Oh, that's cool stuff. But then you can also look at it as, I mean, these are like stories and these are characters and you can do anything with a story and a character. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine that people who write books, that's how they write books. They like step into a character. They're like, all right, well, what can I do with this character? Mm-hmm. Can I do anything with this character? Yes, of course I can because it's my character and I can write this book however I want to. Yeah. That's to me, that's every promo. That's every wrestling match. That's, that's all of it. And like, that's, that's my art, you know? So, yeah. That's it. There's always, 
opportunity for story in every match. Yeah, exactly. I can see it in your eyes. I can see you getting worked up. And I I feel exactly (laughs) the same way when I I watch it, you know. Like any match can be a story, you know. There's obviously athletic feats and stuff that need to come with it. But like great moments will always sort of make up for the lack of, I guess, physical prowess or whatever. But a great physical match can never really make up for the lack of moments. Like so, it's it's finding that balance where the the physical combat, I guess, tells that story and shows the motivations of the the people that are in that match, you know. And that's again what makes it magical. Yeah, you're you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's that's really a beautiful way of saying it. Like I, uh, like one of my favorite matches is probably uh, the Ric Flair Shawn Michaels retirement match. Absolutely, Ric Flair retirement match, mm-hmm. and it's not because of all the moves they did really it's because of that moment at the end mm-hmm. when Rick looks at Sean with tears in his eyes mm-hmm. and just says, all right, just end it. And Sean says, I love you. And bam, that's it. Yeah. Like before that moment, I could probably not even tell you anything that happened in that match. I can't that tell you anything right about it, but I remember Trump's whatever ladder match yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah. I'll remember that moment for the rest of I couldn't tell you what the main event was for that 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 WrestleMania, honestly. I don't know what the ladder match was for that WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you who take a wrestle that WrestleMania. But that moment, I'll never forget that moment. Absolutely. Because like, and, and, and it can tell any stories, right? Of wrestling. Man. Yeah, exactly. That that told like, you know, an almost father son relationship where, you know, uh, a, a student, you know, son type figure had to sort of put his father out of his misery kind of thing which which is heartbreaking but it can like wrestling can be anything it can be love stories it can be you know rivalries it can be sorrow like it can just be anything you need to be it's just finding a way to drive that vehicle yeah man it's 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 such a it's such a wonderful such wonderful artwork and man like i i hope that my body allows me to do it for as long as i possibly <laughs> can you know Absolutely. like uh, i may i mean I, I don't want to speak of my own demise, but uh, you know, hopefully it'll it'll go into into many many more, more years for me because like, uh, sometimes um, you know, as a wrestler, you know, you grind, you you put in the work, you you put in the the sacrifices and everything like that, and it gets so exhausting, you know. And then you, you wake up and you go to a job that you hate, knowing that there's this other thing that you love to do, and you just wish you could do it forever, and but you can't. And, it's frustrating and, and everything like that. But then honestly, like you have moments like, like we're having right now mm-hmm. where I just talk about it and I'm like, man, this is, I know, I remember why I got into it. I remember those, those moments now, like why, what, what made me get into it? I remember undertaker versus undertaker and being excited. I yeah. remember, uh, you know, uh, seeing Sting versus uh, Hogan and being excited, and I don't, I don't even like Hulk Hogan anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I remember all these things, and and oh gosh, man, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I mean, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but gosh, I feel like people are missing out if they don't love it. Yeah, they really do. I mean, you can never. I've never taken anybody to a wrestling show, or even shown anybody a match, like in my house. And by the end of it, they haven't had a good time. You know what I mean? That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't like wrestling, I personally think they've never really given it a chance. I mean, there may be people that just don't like 
physical combat or, or fighting or whatever and they're not about it. But anybody that likes action movies or, you know, likes anything like cartoons with superheroes, whatever it may be, there's no reason why you wouldn't like it. The only thing is you've yeah. got preconceived notions that wrestling isn't cool because other people have said so or whatever it may be that have made you think that. But if you give it a chance, I can guarantee, especially if you go to a live show, you're going to have a fucking awesome time. Like it's actually impossible. Oh, absolutely. Not to, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. 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 And it, it just, yeah, it just keeps giving man. And I, when you talk about the thing you love and going to a job and, and all those kind of things, like I was out of wrestling for a long time while I did a band and everything. And September last year, I decided to finally to like, create this podcast because I just wanted to talk about wrestling. Nobody in Australia gives a fuck about wrestling. You know what I mean? Like my wife watches it with me. I've got a couple of friends. Nobody cares. Yeah. And since I started just sort of documenting this, it started off me just talking about the stuff I liked and then by chance ended up doing some interviews and stuff. I now get to have moments like this every single week where I speak to strangers who live out a dream I would love to live and sort of see it from their point of view. And it's like really special every single time, you know, because I, I get to see through your eyes, like how much that grind. And I know you sit in cars and you train and you eat right and you get injured. And I've watched you get injured on that, that screen, you know, 15 minutes ago. Well, well, it's now, fuck, it's now an hour ago because we've been gone 45 minutes, but like, and, and you go through all that sacrifice, you know, and it's for the passion of someone that's really, really special. Yeah. It, it it is man like uh, there there are days where you're like man like it like it's it's weird actually now that i think about it i don't think i've ever asked my the question is it worth it because i don't think i can ask it you know like yeah. it's like i already know the answer before the thought even comes yeah. to my head <laughs> like is there things i wish i would have done a little bit differently probably but like this this road that I've traveled, this, this thing that I've done, I'll, I'll never regret it. You know, like I'll never be able to be like, Oh gosh, that, remember that 20 years I spent wrestling. What was that? <laughs> like, no, man, like it, the heartache, the, the, the triumph, the disappointment, the victories, mm-hmm. like whether they be many or few, they are one of a kind. Yeah. I'm going to get emotional, man. No, like, I can't do it. I can't even do that. No, no. I, I, I completely understand, bro. Like, I, I did a band for 10 years, and that was a lot of money, a lot of time traveling, you know, and things like that. And then that thing came to an end, right? And for a long time, like, I didn't know who I was after it. You know what I mean? Because I was like this guy from the band, and that was what it was. And then, then that went away. But I look back at it, and some people would maybe go, was that a waste of time? like spending so much money and kind of, you know, hours traveling and, you know, the minutes and, you know, learning this skill and and doing all that stuff. But it's like, no, because it was the path I had to walk to be where I am now. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be sitting in this exact seat had I not done all those things because every single thing I've done has sort of informed the next thing, you know. If I hadn't started playing music, I then wouldn't have learned about, I guess like PAs and instruments and lighting and stuff. I wouldn't have met my wife, 
but like now I manage a guitar store, you know what I mean? And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have known how to run all this audio shit. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a, it's all that stuff. So I think uh, as long as you're always looking to the next thing, like you can't have regrets. You just got to walk your path and have the best possible time you can doing it, you know, and, and think back on all, all the great stuff. Anybody that just dwells in the negative yeah, is doomed yeah. to fail. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like I'm kind of like, I guess it's kind of become uh, a little bit of like my uh, my calling card. It's like my thing I say in promos or whatever. But in reality, it's it's really like kind of a month now that I that I have that I need just on a regular basis. And it's just I'm gonna have a great time. Just no matter what I do, I'm yeah. gonna have a great time doing it. Like whether I'm and uh, like uh, me and me and Gary J have this whole unsigned and don't care thing, and it's it's kind of a little bit to that. It's uh, an aspect of it doesn't matter to me if there's like two people in a crowd, uh, or you know, two million people in a crowd. It doesn't matter to me if I'm under the bright lights of WWE or the barely flickering lights of a local you know uh, uh, high school or whatever. I will put 120 percent in and i will have a great time doing it and there's nothing that anybody can do to stop me because i am the master of my own domain you know and uh i'm going to enjoy my domain yeah that's it and it like you're enjoying the moment and you're enjoying the journey like when you can laugh at things like that you're like man we just drove fucking four hours and there's like six people here why are we even here and you know what you look at your friend or whatever you have a laugh you just play you know wrestle do whatever and make the best of it and just enjoy the experience that that's what it's about man it's it's about the journey it's not about you know thinking about how great it is you hear about all these people who've been really successful and stuff and quite often they say i didn't realize while i was living it but the journey was the best part of what i did you know and so if you're just present in the moment, then you're going to have the best possible time doing it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where it's at, dude. Yeah. Live, it, live, it, live in the moment. Exactly. So living as you, as you do now, like where did the violent gentleman thing start to happen? So obviously I can see some Clockwork Orange influence and stuff like that, but we're no longer astonishing Aaron Williams at this point. We're starting to become something different. No. You're, you're a very flamboyant character. You're a very brutal character. Um, so how how does that transition happen? Is that a gradual thing, or do you have like snap decision? This is this is my vision of what I want to do and what I want to be. Um, well, it, like it was it was gradual and then like quick at the same time. Okay. Like because because after I was uh, astonishing Aaron Williams, uh, uh, a, a promotion in Dayton opened up called Rockstar Pro, and I went into there along with, you know, a bunch of other places, did some time at CZW and everything like that. I was like, I was a Cincinnati Shogun for a while, which that's, that's probably worse than astonishing. I don't know. Um, I kind of like that. that I, <laughs> I was like the angelic assassin for a little bit, which also. That's kind of cool too. Huh? I, I don't hate either of those two. They're all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I prefer the Cincinnati uh, Shogun more than the, uh, <laughs> the, the angelic assassin. Yeah, yeah. Like it was funny because I was doing the Cincinnati Showgun, and I went and did a tryout for Ring of Honor, and I did it. And they were like, "You're great, man. Like, uh, where you been?" And then it immediately followed up with, "But well, you you don't look like a Showgun at all. What even is that?" 
Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So from there, then I uh, became uh, uh, the Baddest Man Alive, which is a playoff. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Barry Gordy's Last Dragon, but it's a playoff of Shonuff, a character on there. Um, and that guy ran, kind of ran that for a while, and that did did pretty well. People still call me that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had uh, some very um, shaky things happen in, in my, my personal life that kind of made me forced to redirect. And once I redirected, I kind of like realized, like, wait a minute, you know, there was less stuff I wanted to try during this period of time in my career and in, and everything like that. But because of where I was in my life at the time, I couldn't because I like kind of relied on somebody to like uh, help me creatively, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. And every time I bring up like, you know, I kind of like this thought and it was actually looking back, it was stuff that I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, they would always like shoot it down and basically be like, no, that's stupid. It'll never, it'll never work. Right. Like, okay. Well, once I got that, that person left my life or I got that person out of my life, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of was like, you know what? what if I could, I can do what I want now. So I'm just gonna, just gonna do what I want. And see what happens. And uh, somebody gave me the opportunity to play heel, and I feel like the uh, the character that I am now is more comfortable as a a heel character. Like I can do it as a baby face, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's more fitting yeah. to a heel. You know, absolutely. Uh, so somebody gave me the opportunity to be a heel, and I was like, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to play with this a little bit. And it actually started on a Halloween show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just turned me heel. And I was like, I really want the crowd to recognize that something has changed in me. Yes. Like I am not this guy anymore. I want them to understand that there was a switch that was flipped. So I was like, all right, well, how can I do that? And I was like, well, maybe I could dress up in costume or something. And then I started to think like, all right, well, I don't want to be like, you know, a serial killer per se or, or anything like that. I want it to be like that blatant. I would like it to be more subtle. So I was like, well, who's a character that's absolutely not me? And I thought of Alex DeLarge from Clockwork Orange. And I was like, that is something that is incredibly not me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, the character of Alex DeLarge is a, um, he's an adolescent hooligan. Basically, mm-hmm. he beats up people in the street for no reason at all, just for the giggle's sake of it. He's a, a rapist and a murderer and everything like this stuff. But he does it all in a sense of, I'm just having a good time. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I was like, that is that is, that is, is the vision I want people to kind of get like from, uh, from what I'm doing now. Uh, I want them to get that attitude of, you don't, I don't really know what this dude's going to do. And I don't know what he's going to be. All I know is he's, he's, Daggone it, he's charming, but I know that there's something deep in him that could snap at any moment. Uh, so, I like, ironically, I mean, the, you, the, the costume for Alex is very simple. It's white on white, mm-hmm. and then a bowler hat and a cane. Mm-hmm. Easy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, finding a random bowler hat in Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> is pretty difficult. <laughs> oh, hi. How do you guys feel about your internet security? Good? Or do you hate it? Well, you must hate it if you haven't heard of NordVPN before. And do you hate, like, browsing the internet and streaming services from other countries and getting to watch whatever you want at the click of a button? I guess I must, because I live in Australia. We don't get to see nothing. 
I can't even shop for cool stuff without a whole heap of bother. But now, thanks to NordVPN, with the click of a button, I can just transport my internet to that of another country, and shaglucky, I'm all sorted. And guess what? This holiday season, by going to nordvpn.com slash feels and using the code feels, you'll get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. That's right, nord.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. Your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. Do yourself a favor, do your privacy a favor, do your eyes a favor and go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now back to the show. So it was literally day of the show. I, I messaged somebody from, uh, from the show that I knew was going to be there. I was like, hey, do you have some white pants I can use? And they're like, yeah, I got you. I was like, all right, sweet. So I'm driving to the show and I'm just like, where can I? All right, there's a random store over here. I'm just going to stop at this random store and hope that I find stuff. So I pull over, I stop, I go inside, I find a white shirt, white suspenders, and a bowler hat. And I'm like, that's just odd. It is one bowler hat. What type place. of store is and this? I was like, all right, well, all right, I'm doing it. So I did it and got to the show, put it all on, came out of the curtain, and the crowd immediately got it. They were just like, oh, okay, yeah. this is this is different. And from there, it just kind of like took a life of its own, and I kind of like just put my own little twist on stuff and, and everything like that. And I've had quite a few people uh, since then be like, dude, like I know what you're going for. I see it, but you've like flipped it, made it your own thing, and it's very, very cool. And I'm like, well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. So, yeah, that's where that's where the birth of it happened. That's that's really cool, man. What um, Talk about like understanding your character's motivation straight away and then playing with it you know what i mean because like you say all he wants to do is have a great time and that can be as evilly or as like goodly i guess as you like you know what i mean and it also makes you this chaotic character where you don't know which way he's gonna fall you know on any given moment like any situation you just don't know which angle he's gonna take because it depends how he feels at the time you know, like he could, he could respond, you know, heroically or he could respond evilly because it's whatever's motivating him right there and then. Yeah. It, uh, that's, that's really the, the, the funnest part about it. Yeah. Honestly, is he does get to just be that, like that, like if, if anything has happened in I, anything at all, whether a promo is happening, a match is happening or anything like that, I feel like my character conveys attention. Like if I mm-hmm. show up on the scene, immediately people are going to be like, well, what's he going to do? Like, yeah. I see him. He's there. What's he all about? Is he, is he here to, is he here to do nice things? Is he here to screw everything up? And that's, that's really a cool thing. Cause in my, like I said, it, like in some ways the character is kind of me, there's things that like I do like my mannerisms and everything like that, that are very much me, but like the motivations are different because uh, the character is more of a, I'm just going to, go with what I feel. I'm going to just step into this and see what happens. Whereas me personally, I'm very calculated. I'm very particular about how I do things, what I do, when I do it, how much time I take, all that stuff. I'm very, very particular about, but the character is a complete, just whatever I feel like I'm going to have the most fun with I'm going to do. And 
I feel like that is also a, a thing that a lot of people attach to yeah. because I feel like everybody wants to be like that. Everybody wants to be able to just step away from the responsibilities of life, the, the, the need to go to go to work or the need to be, uh, you know, a good son or a good daughter or, or, uh, you know, a, a fantastic, uh, you know, uh, member of society and just let go yeah. and just be completely free. That is what I feel that my character is. He is just a complete free sense. Yeah, just the embodiment of, of total freedom. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah, he is, the, he is the embodiment of total freedom, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, which is, a, thank you, that's, a, that's a definitely a good way to put it. You can use Because I, like, one thing that I always did have an issue with was, like, when I, when I first started the character, it does have, like, you know, layers to it, too, like, uh, you know, if I get really, really thick on it, like he, the character became this way because he looks at society, he looks at life and he's like, oh, well, there's really none of us good. Like in, in the world of balance of good and evil, there's really not that much good. So how do you create good? Well, obviously people just can't be good. So they have to be pushed to be good. So in his mind, he just has this mentality of, all right, well, I'll just be as bad as I possibly can be and hope that someone will be good enough to stop me. Yeah. Like, so there's like weird layers to it. Yeah. Uh, but the, the embodiment of ultimate freedom of just not caring about uh, any, anything is, is the essential depth of the character. Yeah. I, I love that because it, that, it. you know, relates back to superhero stories. And when you think about characters like the Joker and, and different things like that, where it's almost like he's putting it out there. Like somebody show me that there's good in this world. I don't believe there is. So I'm just going to do whatever I want until somebody can literally prove to me that there is good somewhere, you know, and it, and then it takes yeah. that one moment where maybe somebody does and there's a moment where he goes, oh, fuck, there is, and then he changes and then he responds and reacts to that in a different way, you know what I mean? And then does yeah. something where it's like, oh, shit, he just became the hero because now he's he's motivated in a different way and, like, that's how you can constantly evolve and change that character. And then just like that, he can turn back again, like whatever it is. It's, it's really something yeah, special. Yeah, and created. It's, I mean, I think it's very, very cool. Like in, in a weird way, it like, it stems off of a lot of like things. Like it's funny when I talk about it, then I'm like, Oh, I probably pulled this from there. And I probably pulled this from there. And everything like that. And, and I think that aspect of trying to be, trying to find an opposite to my evil, a good to my evil comes from that essence of, I, I worked for IBA mid South for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I actually won a couple of TBIs there, which is a huge deal to me. Yep. And uh, but I initially went to IWA Mid South because Chris Hero was still working there, and I've always had this overwhelming desire to wrestle Chris Hero. Mm -hmm. And I went there with the sole purpose of I'm going to wrestle Chris Hero. And this was probably like 2015 or something. Uh -huh. And then it was going to happen, like in Dayton and at IWA Mid South, and then. Like the next week when I found out that, oh, I think they're talking about it. They're going to do it. He showed up on the next team. Oh, no. So, so, like, so since then, I like would cut promos and I would basically just be like, all right, well, I'm looking, I'm looking for the, the, the punk to my hero or the hero to my punk mm -hmm. because they had that long-standing feud at IWM South. South. I was like, I'm looking for my opposite. Then I eventually gave up because I was like, oh, I don't need an opposite because I am, I am what I am. Uh, but now, in a weird sense, like the character, in a weird way, is always looking for that. All right, who's who's my opposite? Who's the good that's gonna that's gonna force me to change? Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, 
Maybe there isn't one. Maybe there is. I don't know. We'll find out. You you know when you find it, and I guess, and there's an intimacy in that as well. Like like the Joker really loves Batman. You know what I mean? He's like, I need that other half of myself. So when you find that other character that sort of responds in the right way, and that story plays out, that will, I feel like that would play out just so naturally because it it will be the right yeah. right person. You know, it'll be it'll be amazing because it will happen. There'll be the right person that, that slots in that role and there'll be a story told between you and you'll be like, this was what I was building to the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I hope it, I hope I find it. Like, it's it's weird because like I have, I have a lot of people that I have really, really good chemistry in the ring with that could fill that position, but I haven't found that like, uh, I mean, not to say it like this, but I haven't found that John Cena yet. I haven't found that guy that's like, incorruptible you know like because yeah. i feel like that's kind of what i need i need that incorruptible like person that i can be like all right well i'm gonna sink my teeth in and see if i can corrupt them and then yes if i can then i win but if i can't then he wins and like yeah it's just like dude that you got me talking about it yeah, all exactly. i love yeah. it though i love those details man that's what, what's so cool about it and we're talking about a predetermined sport where people grapple and kick each other and stuff like that. But all of this bubbles underneath like it, and it always does, you know, and the, the guys who think about it, you know, and the characters and really get the most out of it, I think. And that's where those moments that we were speaking about at the start are built. Yeah. Absolutely. dude. That's, like it's, it's, I've, 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 I've got to have a couple of, of some really, really cool, cool, like moments that I was like super satisfied with. And they are, they are just that. They are ultra satisfying. It's like, oh yeah, that was that was good. It's like it's moments that I'm like, man, I wish I wish thousands of people would have got to see that because it like hit in such a unique way to me that I'm like, oh, oh, so good. But, yeah, yeah. I love that, man. I love I love to see good it. Times, man. So so great. so tell me about the, I guess kind of your other half in another way. Tell me about Gary J because you guys are obviously very close you've become a unit you guys represent each other and when i first saw you you were fighting him at icw no holds barred in indianapolis in a match that will break down a little bit but like how did you two meet like as, as rivals at the same thing how did it all happen well like it's uh it's it's kind of odd because i've been i've been wrestling a long time i've had a lot of uh uh, friends and acquaintances and everything like that. But I think I met Gary in like maybe like 2015. We were booked together and we wrestled each other. And like we wrestled on this show uh, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And we were like, I want to say we were pre-made of the show. And we'd never worked with together before at that point, I don't think. And the event was supposed to be a tag match. Well, one of the guys just didn't show up and they were going to do a handicap match. And Gary was like, why don't we just tell him to let us be the main event and then just give us the extra time. And okay. So we did. And then like, man, like it was almost like we'd been wrestling each other for years because we just hit like yeah. immediately. And then after the show got done, we just kind of got to start talking and everything like that. And we just realized, Oh, you know what? We're, we're pretty similar dudes. And, uh, then, like years went by and he got me booked at uh 
anarchy because you know he's uh you know a pretty big deal over there and he was like hey man like uh you guys need to book this dude so they booked me and i came up there a couple times but i don't think it really really hit like how in tune we are were are until i think it was right after the pandemic actually like just a few people started to run and somebody booked him and i to wrestle each other in one of those shows that only has like 10 people in the crowd or something because of the mandates and everything like that so we got together, we wrestled, and it was real good. Actually, that match is, I think, on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. And after the match was over, it was like, man, we're just like, we just click. Like, there's just something about it that just works. And we got to talking, and I think, honestly, we pretty much spoke almost every day since then. And we just have, we have the same mentality about a lot of things in wrestling, mainly being like, it doesn't matter to us how many people are in the crowd? We are going to give you everything we got every time. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter whether we're wrestling each other or we're wrestling as a team or we're wrestling uh, a green kid who knows how to do a hip toss and that's about it. Or we're wrestling freaking, you know, the top guy of your promotion or whatever. You're going to get everything you're going to get. And it doesn't matter. And that's why we love it. Um, and we just we just clicked in, in a lot of ways. I've I've said this many times to him. I'm like, man, I kind of wish that I lived in St. Louis and I started wrestling here, because not only uh, are him and I really really close, but I'm pretty close with like uh, some of the other guys that are up in that area. And all those guys are like really really tight knit. You know, mm-hmm. they like they support each other. They want the best for each other and everything like that. Whereas in my area, it's not it's not really like that. Like yeah. if you are, you know. Uh, buddies with a certain amount of people then yeah you're great but if you're outside of that circle then you're probably just going to be outside that circle so it's it's uh it's weird but it's it's very weird to me that i've known gary for like five years and i'm closer to him than i am with guys that i've known in the business for like 15 years or something like that because you guys just click straight away you know what i mean and it, even some sometimes yeah. time doesn't can't create that you know what i mean minutes can create that with a person you know, like there's just yeah, certain people you right. meet and it's just like, bang. It's like, oh, we get each other, you know, like, and it go, goes really far. I've been very fortunate since doing this podcast that I've had many of those moments to, with people who are on the other side of the world that I, I've never even met, you know what I mean? Like, and I get to have these friends that I text like yeah. nearly every day and stuff. It's it's pretty wild that I consider some of my best friends on the other side of the world. So it must feel like that for you where you're like, I've known all these people that are all around me, but it wasn't until that I met this guy or, or these people that, that I really found somebody that, that just like gets me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is really, it is really odd like that sometimes it's, it's wild uh, just how, and, and, and maybe it's a regional thing or maybe it's just like differences in people. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's so crazy to think that, um, you know, just like you can hit with somebody and I mean, but you know, it just, it does happen like that. Sometimes you just hit with somebody and it's like, Oh crap, I've known you my whole life. and We just met. That's crazy. Like it's, it's weird because if, if there was an opposite to my, uh, to me, it really would be Gary. Like, because uh, I think Chris Jericho used to say it all the time, like, in talking about Benoit, actually, he would say, Chris and I are the same coin, we're just two opposite sides. Yeah, okay. And I kind of feel like that's that's me and Gary. It's like, we're the same, in a lot of ways, we're the same dude. 
It's just we're on two different sides. We're the coin. We're just we're just two. That's one of the reasons why this uh, design is the way it is. Yeah. On this uh, this hoodie I got, right it's, hoodie. It's the unsigned don't care hoodie. It's half of his uh his his cat Skull gimmick and then half of me, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's like. Yeah, it's like a cat skull because he's the cat daddy or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and then it's just me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's like he really is like the the he's he's the same coin. We're the we're the same coin. We're like Two Face or something. I don't know. Have you guys ever had? I love Two Face. Have you guys ever had the opportunity to run like a full head to head rivalry like against each other anywhere? No. No, we actually haven't. Like we, uh, we've had, um, shoot, I guess, a like a handful of matches and, uh, and then we started like just teaming up together and like anytime anybody would book us together, we're like, all right, let's, let's just, let's run it and see how it goes. Uh, every time we have a match together though, it seems like something, uh, either dynamic happens or, or it's just such a, you know, a, a, a good good match that people are like, Oh my gosh, you guys are great. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, like the, the first match you saw me at was, uh, was, it was against Gary. I think that was the second time I've been knocked out in the match with him. With your good match. friend. <laughs> yeah. With my good friend. Yeah. We're buddies. We're yeah, honestly, we, we destroy each other on a regular basis. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember the spot that happened that yeah. like knocked me out, but I dove through that door and, I was gone, man. Yeah. Uh, and I remember him like trying to tell me for the rest of the night what happened in the match. Uh, because from that point on, it was, I was gone. I was on complete autopilot. Really? Which unfortunately I'm far too good at. <laughs> well, I, w- I was <laughs> going to say, to me more, it was kind of times. crazy because I, I had heard that that you had been knocked out when that happened, you know, when your head gets split open. So to rewind it for anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, it's ICW No Holds Barred in Indianapolis. It's in the chains. Gary comes out and then Aaron makes his debut. They're having an amazing match, very competitive match. Your kicks, his strikes, like it's really good. And also some brutal spots as well where you just like pick him up and power bomb him into the chairs and <laughs> stuff like that, which is savage. Yeah. But, and he's doing dives out. But yeah, you go to, he's laying on a, a table, which is on an angle outside. Aaron runs and dives to take him out. He moves out of his way. And I swear, you you hung in the air for a minute, sort of. I felt like I was looking into your eyes, like through the camera where you're just kind of like, this angle's a little bit wrong sort of thing. And then you hit the ground and I, I watch your head bounce off the ground and I was like, that isn't good. And then you roll up and there's blood all over your face and they check on you and you turn and you say something to the camera. I couldn't make out what you said, but I think it was something along the lines of like, I'm in a lot of trouble or something like that. I don't know what, what you said. Do you know what you said in that? Have you watched it back? I, I was I was told what I said in that and, and it's that's actually... It's really funny. Uh, apparently, I rolled over. I realized I was bleeding, and I was jacked up. And I think I said, well, they told me I said something along the lines of, I'm going to ruin my gear. <laughs> That's amazing. So, and that the, those are the kind of thoughts yeah, you have when yeah. you're not there. But you say you're on autopilot there. But that match doesn't end then. It goes on for quite a while, and it's very competitive. You're you're throwing spin kicks. He's throwing hits. You get DVD through a table in the corner. Like it's an absolute slugfest, and you're just not there for any of it. 
No, I was, I was completely out of it. It was, what? it was funny. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, uh, the people were gifted stuff and everything yeah. after the match was over. Uh-huh. And like I said, he's like trying to tell me what happened and everything. And thankfully I, uh, I had a buddy of uh, my, my old tag partner, Alan, uh, the solution was solution. He actually came to that show to support me that day. Yeah. And he was like, well, you're not, you're not driving home, dude. So I'm going to drive you home, which was very nice of him. Yeah. But I remember Gary at some point in time in the show while we're sitting in the back, he hands me a phone and I look at it and it's me in the ring and they're giving me like a standing ovation yes. for the match. And I look at him and I'm like, is this, is this, is this me? He's like, yeah. It's like, did this, did this happen? He's like, yes, this was tonight. This is what happened tonight. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't remember anything like, a, uh, and unfortunately, like like I said, unfortunately, it's happened to me a couple of times. I remember, well, I don't remember it, but I, I recall one uh, situation where I was wrestling uh, Trey Miguel mm-hmm. and uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was our special guest referee. Okay, actually. that's amazing. And the match started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it gets better. Yeah. So the match starts, right? And I just take off running towards Trey to drop kick him in the corner, and he moves. I hit my hips on the, the top buckle. Ooh. So it just turns me... Tea kettle over, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Right on the back of my head. Oh. I was gone. Right oh, there. No. Gone. Match went on for 10 minutes. What? Like, and when I finally, yeah. Just when on I finally autopilot. got to see the match, <laughs> yeah, I, it was like watching a video game. I was like, well, there's me, but I don't know who's controlling me. And Ricky and both Ricky and Trey are like in there, like talking to me the whole time. Like, and like, I mean, they weren't being obvious about it, but like, I could tell that, you know, it was, it was a, it was definitely a thing that they were helping me through, yeah. but you know, to, to the, to the untrained eye, you wouldn't even know anything happened. Uh, it was wild. I think the main thing that I remember about it is somebody told me after the match was over, I wore this weird thing at this time. Mm-hmm. I had like a, a bandana that hung out of the front part of my tights, okay. like a, like a loincloth. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could remember was the match with me re- reaching down and taking the loincloth out and just throwing it to the side. That was the only thing I can remember. And uh, I'm watching the match, and I'm just like sitting there waiting. Like, all right, when do I take the loincloth out? When do I do that? And I'm watching the whole match. I watched the whole match. It gets to the end. I went over, and uh, Ricky raises my hand, and I reach down, and I take the loincloth out, and I throw it. So the final So it seconds. didn't happen <laughs> till the end of the match. Yeah. And then Ricky the Dragon Steed, like I push him, and he chops me a couple times and he shoots me off the ropes and he does me the big double chop thing what? and it's the coolest thing ever and I don't remember it. That's so fucked up. It's like like childhood yeah. hero doing all this amazing stuff with him and you just watch it back like a complete stranger. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Apparently, oh. I went to the back and Ricky was standing there waiting for me and somebody else was, uh, or my ex-wife was there at the time uh-huh. and She's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, where's Ricky? And he's literally right beside me. Oh, my standing, God. <laughs> just like checking on me. And I'm like, where's he at? <laughs> <laughs> just looking through him, can't even see him. Yeah, Dude. Just like nothing. nothing. Is it like when yep. that stuff is, is happening, like is it sort of when, you, when you're watching it back, especially after it happens and stuff, is it like upsetting like disconcerting and upsetting. I've I've only ever been like like sort of passed out 
once in my life. I, I had like a an ear infection thing kick in. It's called labyrinthitis. And I remember I was walking to get a coffee at my workplace. No, 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 get a morning coffee. And then I just went, the world spun at full speed. I spun off my axis and crashed to the ground. And I swear, I, I was on that floor for like 20 minutes. I remember it spinning so fast that I just had to curl into a ball and then I blacked out. And it's the, maybe the scariest it's ever been inside my own body. You know what I mean? Like I have no control what's happening and I just laid there. I guess nobody else needed a coffee that moment because they didn't fucking come and check on me. Nobody did anything. I just could have laid there and died forever. Either they walked in, they're like, not dealing with that paperwork, I'm out. And they just, just rolled, right? Oh, so, my God. <laughs> so for you, watching that back, like it must be crazy, right? Because you're like, it would feel like, okay, who? like you said, who's driving? Because it wasn't me. And that. That must feel really weird, like really disconcerting. Maybe you're used to it now because it's happened a few times, but but it must be it must I mean, be concerning. It was that time, like when I watched back the match with Trey. It like I don't know. I think there was like a bit of fear. Like I I was like a little bit scared. Yeah. Like, because I was like, man, like in a weird way. I mean, it's kind of it's cool in a weird way, but like at the time, I was like watching that, and I was like, who is who is doing this? Yeah. Like I'm just doing things i'm just reacting i'm just somebody else is like i was literally on autopilot and i felt like i just wasn't in control of that like kind of freaked me out you know Mm -hmm. uh so that was kind of hard to watch this one with gary wasn't so bad and then there was one that happened years and years and years ago that i i remember but i never saw it so i don't really remember i guess i just remember it happening i was doing a uh it's like a survivor series type match Mm -hmm. and uh, i was wrestling uh, it was like five on five. It was me. Uh, and I don't even remember who all was in the match. I know Jake Christ was in it on my team and some other guys on the other team. I know Moxley was in it and Sammy Callahan was in it. And I remember me and Sammy did a spot and he power bombed me and I was gone. Then the next thing I remember is I'm crawling into the backstage. There's a trash can. I immediately stand up, throw up and then go and start changing. And then when, they get back. They finish the match. They get back. They're like, dude, are you okay? You were acting kind of funny out there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't remember anything past the powerbomb, guys. And then they looked at me, and they're like, dude, you wrestled for like 15 minutes after that. <laughs> Jesus and Christ. I was like, oh, gosh. Like, that's weird. And then I had to drive home that night, and I pulled over like three times to, to puke. Oh, uh, I went, gosh, man. Now, now that I'm talking about all the uh, the head injuries, I, I recall another time I did like, I went through like a spat where I kept bumping my head and I just kept bumping my head and I, I couldn't like do it to where like I went through like a month where, uh, and I was wrestling probably like two or three times a month, a week. Yeah. So there was like this period of time for a month where like almost every time I take a bump, I had to like stop and wait for the world to stop spinning. Oh my God. And then get up and go. Dude. And then when I'd finally get to the point to where it was kind of like chilling out, I'd bump my head again and then it'd start the process over. Oh. And then there was, it was one where it was like really cool. I was like totally fine. And I think somebody gave me like a suplex or I gave somebody else a suplex or something. And the boards were like piano keys in, yeah. in the ring. Yeah. So one of the boards like jumped up and bought me in the back of the head and I was gone. But at this point in time, because I'm an idiot, I was like kind of used to the world spinning on me. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Finish the match. 
Then I go to do another show. Thankfully, I had somebody with me because I usually don't. I go to do this other show, and I'm like, all right, you know, this will be, you know, a pretty, uh, this will be an easy match. I, I know the guy, so we'll be cool. So we go, we start working, and I take like one bump, and then everything starts spinning. And I was pretty used to it at this point, so I was like, all right, I'll just roll to the outside. I'll get some air. I'll be okay. I roll to the outside, start breathing, close my eyes, try and chill, open my eyes, everything's still going. I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. So I'll try to do it again. Nothing. So basically, it just doesn't stop. Like, so I'm just like, all right, well, I gotta, I gotta get through this match somehow. So I get through the match, still don't know how, never watched it back. I was, I was coherent the whole time, but everything was just going everywhere. So I get to the back, find a trash can, throw up, set down, and then I start to freak out. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And I, you know, I, I, maybe I started like, you know, really, really freak out. Then I went and threw up again. And then somebody went and got who came with me and brought him to the back. And they basically had to carry me to my car because the, the room still wouldn't stop spinning. It was oh still God. going. Yeah. And they start driving me home. I have to have them pull over a couple times so I can puke. I started crying hysterically out of nowhere. Like that one was really, really scary. Uh, but then I got home. I kind of chilled. I took a couple weeks off. I was relatively fine i guess i guess i'm okay <laughs> didn't, didn't uh go see a doctor at any point during this or or any of that well no because i don't have that old health insurance yeah it's, it's a bit different in the old us of a isn't it yes it is it's basically do you want to eat or do you want to have health insurance Fuck. that's your choices it's so crazy it's like well i guess i gotta eat so. oh my god i'm, I'm about really to go is. to the doctor today really for is. just a general checkup and like it will be, I don't know, 60, 80 bucks for a consultation, but then the majority of that just comes back to me through Medicare or whatever it is, uh, or my health insurance or whatever. I can't oh, keep brother. track of it all. I, you, 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 want to, you want to hear something really messed up? Is I'm asthmatic, right? So yeah, I, I have breathing issues. Too. Yeah. I spent like the... Yeah, I, I I spent like the first eleven months of my life in uh, in an ICU, wow. and getting the lung stuff done. Uh, so honestly. To do what I do is kind of a miracle, so yes. I, I, I try not to take that for granted. Uh-huh. Um, but one day I did the math on how much all my because I, I can't afford all my medications that I would need. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the math on how much money it would cost me just to get my monthly supply of medications, and it would be what was it? I think it was like like. $3,600 for like a year Whoa. out of my, uh, out of my paycheck. Jesus. Out of my pocket. Yeah. That's huge. So, money. That's, that's intense, man. Yeah, like a, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so America, it's so sort that out. Say, Just go ahead and sort that out. I reckon they should like, cause that, yeah, yeah like, figure it out guys. Like yeah, seriously, just, <laughs> like, because uh, like the seasons change and stuff, and I I, I also have allergies. Which, yeah. And like so, it can it can hit me really hard. Yeah. And honestly, it's almost more terrifying to be in the middle of a match and realize, oh crap, I can't breathe, than it is to oh crap, everything's spinning. <laughs> <laughs> That's old hat like, now. Uh, I'm I'm used to just uh, <laughs> dealing with that. 
It's like zero gravity training. I, I've trained to fight in all sorts oh, of God. situations, including uh, the room in a complete vortex, like just spinning out of control, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, see, you have a lot harder to beat than you think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You think you're, you think you, I don't need to breathe to fight. I don't need to actually see straight. I don't even re- need to really even be conscious, to be fair. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. How's anybody supposed like, to deal with luck, that? Good luck, buddy. <laughs> you step into my world, we'll get on a fucking, uh, what are those things called? Like the uh, Gravitrons at like the fair and stuff, and we'll fight in there because I'm going to win every day of the week. You're going down. Like, it's totally easy. It'll be your signature match. You're just like running around the edges like the Matrix. Nobody will be able to do anything. <laughs> Oh God! Yes. Oh my God! Oh man! Please take care of your head. I'm so afraid for you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of being afraid for you, uh, the oh God! <laughs> the 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 second time I saw you was probably my favorite um, show that ICW No Holds Barred has run, which was the Pit Four. I absolutely loved it. It's just in this like dusty horse barn with a single light hanging over you and some guardrails and you opened up that match against Aaron O'Ryan from the DTA and dude that was just such a killer physical match um I know the struggles had said like he he views you like a you know a video game character it's like you just plug him into DOA or Tekken or whatever and he's like I think the best match for him would be in Pit Fighter X and you've kind of been doing them backwards you know but that that pit match, man, that was awesome. And talk about it looking cool, you know, the dust flying everywhere, off the kicks, off the strikes. How was that that whole situation for you? Because I I know the the weather and everything wasn't ideal, so you guys kind of just got plonked in this barn, so to speak, and nobody thought it was going to be that cool, but it kind of ended up being the coolest because of it. Oh, dude, yeah, that was uh, that was wild because I. Uh, I got to I got to do the show, which I was really excited about. And, uh, I never re- worked with Aaron before, so I was also excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to the to the venue or the the uh, the farm or whatever whatever it was, mm-hmm. and I saw they had you know everything set up for the uh, the regular stuff, and I was kind of just looking at it, and I was like, so is this? Are they just going to like kind of strip everything down? Is this where we're doing uh, the pit too? Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually John Wayne Murdoch who looked at me. He's like, Nah, bro. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's up the hill there, in uh, in a little barn. <laughs> he just he, he looked at me almost like disencouragingly, just like, oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> but I was like, all right. So uh, I went up there and looked at it, and I was like, okay, <laughs> like all right. I feel like I'm gonna be fighting in a fair, which uh, you know, I fought on a fair, a couple fairgrounds in my life, so uh, I guess it won't be that bad. Uh, however, like I was, I, it was kind of funny because I, I like my white gear, you know, I like, I like wearing it, yeah. uh, but I don't necessarily always expect it to get like destroyed. Uh, <laughs> and so I wore it at the first ICW show where I bled all over it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to break it out again because I mean, it's, it's the pit. It's not going to be that bad. And then I get there and it's like, oh, it's literally just dirt. Okay. <laughs> all right, cool. Oh, this shit's so, going to get fucked up. Great. Uh, so it. <laughs> so that was the only gear I brought that was just like, oh, all right. And I had to do another show the next day. And that was the only gear I, no, uh, what, I can't remember anyway now. But uh, so it just looked 
like a barn, you know, with some guardrails. And they were like, well, you know, we're going to probably like close this part up. And I mean, you can have like some tools or something. Okay. And I'm not really a deathmatch guy. So I was just like, all right, I like using things. I kind of take the RVD mentality of, uh, of that kind of stuff, which is I'm just going to do my stuff and then I'm going to incorporate this stuff into it. Yes. And then boom, there's my match. Right. So, uh, but then once, you know, everybody kind of like piled in there, and I kind of like walked by it before my entrance. I was like, "Ooh, that that looks really cool. That's a cool look right there." And then, uh, you know, we went out there and we get got started. And I was like, "All right, well, I'm already getting dirty." But then I think the re- the moment I realized, "Oh, this is going to look really cool," is I think Aaron is up against the guardrail and I kick it like one time yeah. and just does go, yeah, just like a like a cloud of dust i was like oh this is like a freaking scene from lionheart this is the coolest thing ever and uh so yeah man i love that i I really did enjoy that match i hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as i did but yeah i love that oh it looked unbelievable man like like those you obviously throw some pretty cool kicks and stuff and you're doing that and it's hitting him in explosions of dust everywhere and stuff it looked unbelievable and that lighting that it's obviously got shitty lighting but it led to it like lent itself to it because it's just straight down like illuminating all of that and it was great and then um yeah as, as it sort of like plays out and stuff and then, and then you win then they play like the wrong music and you're like that's not my music and then they like play the right one and then you're like ah, oh, there we go so it, was, it was just you know it added even even those like tiny little moments, like that's a mistake by the sound guy or whatever, but that then gives you an opportunity to like show some charm and some character and endear people to you, which is exactly what it's all about, you know? Yeah, man, like that. Like I like taking those like little little bitty moments that I get. I guess I heard, uh, I heard, I think it was Booker T one time who uh, who said like back in his WCW days when they were Harlem Heat. Every time they'd come to the ring, he'd run his mouth to the camera all the time. Yeah, know? yeah. And somebody, I guess, asked him about it, or he just, you know, offered up the information mm-hmm. where he's like, if they're not going to give you promo time or there isn't time for you to make a promo, just do your own thing. Like, mm-hmm. make it a point to, like, stand out. And, like, that's kind of, like, a thing that's always kind of stuck out to me. Is I was like, man, like, any time that I got an opportunity to just show a little bit of personality, a little bit of, of, uh, of character... I'm absolutely gonna gonna do that, and that was like a, a cute little moment. It was like, yeah, I can I can be silly, and then they put a microphone in my face after it was over, which I didn't expect at all. I was just like, all right, what ridiculous thing can I say now? I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm the baddest son of a man who ever walked into a barn. <laughs> it was crying. <laughs> it's like I don't even know what that was. I was just, just like, all right. But everyone's like, yeah, and you're like, come on, <laughs> it's good. But yeah, no, I I think it was a, another great you know, chance to show who you were and you've had like two sort of amazing chances to really show a lot of character and, and make a stamp in a very small period of time. And I guess that's what that whole promotion's about, you know, in a sense. So yeah, I, I'll be hoping to see you back there again soon. Are there any immediate plans that you know of or you just uh, open to whatever comes your way? I, I don't have anything, uh, you know, in concrete with them right now. Like I'm not really... Like I'm, I'm still kind of, I don't want to say on the outskirts because I'm obviously not on the outskirts, but like, I'm kind of, uh, maybe, maybe the right word would be utility. I'm a little bit of a utility player right now. It's like, okay, well, we need something we can call on this guy and he will provide. I haven't like maybe, uh, earned 
the the like every show uh, uh, capability there yet. But you know, not a lot of guys do. But man, I I really I really enjoy uh, ICW. I really enjoyed the chains and the pit and everything like that. Like I said, I'm not really a death match guy, but those get they got plenty of those guys. And those guys all all they all kill it and everything like that. So I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with like the chains and the pit. Uh, because like just that, that barn, like I was telling you earlier, how I grew up on those like Canon martial arts movies mm-hmm. and blood sport is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. And that feel to me is like very like blood sport kickboxer and everything like that. And I'm like, if I'm not going to just do a regular wrestling match, which I love to do obviously. And I can tell all kinds of stories and I kind of want to be doing this stuff because it gives me the opportunity to tell different unique stories and yeah so I, I really hope to be to back to be back there uh as soon as possible so maybe i should uh holler at them and be like hey uh, oh well, me, this podcast will go come out back and do, do cool stuff <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so everybody listening to this you need to get a hold of icw and be like hey bring bring aaron williams back because he's a He's like a real-life street fighter. Exactly. <laughs> He's the man. Uh, when you talk about like the old kung fu movies and stuff, I always uh, have had this idea about ICW that I wish they would do more of. So you talk about that like you know Bloodsport-type vibe, and I remember different kung fu movies and things like that. They're fighting on the streets and stuff. I'd love to see them like really take it for a bit further than what they have so that you know, they've done the barn and the bloodshed and stuff. Like, How cool would it be if they just did like – uh, the pit in a squash court or in like an empty swimming pool or like, you know what I mean? Like those kind yeah. of like, like yeah. real locations. Like Lionheart, like cause Lionheart was. Is yeah, that Lionheart the movie I'm thinking of? Like cause I remember that it happened everywhere. Yes. So maybe that's the movie that's been in my head since I've been a child and I've never been able to find it again or think about it. But I remember this one fighting movie where it was literally that. It was like an ongoing tournament, and they would be in places. Like, I remember them being, like, in in a squash court or something like that, and people watching from above, and they're just, like, bouncing off the walls and against the glass, and or it were in, like, an empty swimming pool, and then a bit of it still got water and, and things like that. Like, it would be cool if they took it to these real urban locations. Yeah, that the 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 swimming pool fight is definitely Lionheart. It's mm-hmm. a Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Mm-hmm. Feel free to look it up, uh, and you can thank me later for reminding you <laughs> of that glorious goal. That uh, is, that's what I'm chasing. JCVD and his prime. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah, but yeah, that would be that would be really cool. I think I think like in a in a bar would be awesome. Yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. pool tables and and everything. Like, I think that would be so dope. Like, and yeah, man, like embrace that in like, like a meat locker is. i feel like that's the feel <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will absolutely fight in a freezer i yeah, will do it <laughs> yeah exactly you're hearing these ideas icw no holds barred these are all for free you just take them just so we can see them that'll be amazing yeah you you, you just yeah just yeah. put me on them that's all i care about <laughs> that's it. that's all we care about exactly right now that that is awesome man t- tell everybody where to find you online and where to get your merch you're wearing a dope hoodie right now we need to know where to do all these things yeah yeah like uh uh well i ha- i'm on facebook if you do facebook i'm just aaron williams it's my pretty face it's pretty hard to miss on Twitter, I am Planet Williams One. That's another nickname that I had for a while. I was Planet Williams for a minute. Um, uh, that's the the number one, not the O N E. Planet Williams One on Twitter. 
Uh, I suck at Twitter. Please interact with me so it won't make me suck so bad. Uh, uh, on Instagram, I am just Planet Williams, and uh, I have a pro wrestling tea store. I have a fully gimmicked store. Uh, Gary has a fully gimmicked store as well. Where you can find this hoodie. Just you can go on uh, uh, fully gimmicked, and you can type in Aaron Williams, and it will give you my store where there is a Clockwork Orange inspired T-shirt. There you can get that, which I, I really enjoy. And then you can go to Gary J's page and get. Uh, this hoodie, uh, a shirt like this, uh, which I think is a baseball tee, which is super dope. And then he's obviously got plenty of merch as well. And I think that might be it. I think <laughs> thinking about getting a wet mover, but I haven't gotten that far yet. You got to diversify that merchandise portfolio. Just get it everywhere. I I I, I do. And like the problem I have is fine. Like because I'm not. I'm not artistic. I have ideas, but I can't, uh, I can't design things. So I'm always having a difficult time finding designers that understand what I'm trying to put out there. Uh, and then finding, well, I guess uh, on the online stores, it's not really a problem, but whenever I'm doing like shows and like taking merch with me, it's always hard to find like a good printer in my area that I can like rely on. That's not going to like, break me across the coals with prices and stuff. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's my own problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hear that, everybody? If you are a designer that gets the aesthetic of the violent gentleman that is Aaron Williams, uh, hit him up. Or if you print shirts around his area and you want to do him a good deal, that's also an opportunity for you. There you go. Exactly right. Man, I want to thank you so much yeah, for your time. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Like, it's been so fun getting into your mind and really picking apart those, uh, you know, nitty details of character with you. What a great time. Thank you, man, so much. It, it, this was a blast. This is this is definitely one of the... Uh, uh, one of the things that makes me remember why I love what I do so much. So thank you so much for, for talking with me, having me on and feel like now I have a, a brother across the world that, uh, that I can, I can shoot the crap with. It's awesome. You definitely <laughs> do, man. I, I would love that. Hit me up anytime, open invite to the show. Uh, and yeah, it's nice to make another friend. So for everybody out there, for Aaron Williams, for Faces and Feels, remember it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks everyone for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at Faces Feelscast, Twitter at Faces Feelscast, and Facebook at Faces Feels Cast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. 
DeathmatchWorldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.